Superman Forever Radio, Episode 113, Justice League the Movie, First Impressions. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings at a single bound, the instant of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast and this very special part one, episode one of a new segment for the Superman Forever radio podcast called the Superman Forever Roundtable. And it's going to be kind of fun. Throughout the year of 2018, we're just going to be calling a few of my favorite Superman podcasters, see if I can wrangle them together. And we'll grab a subject and talk about it. I couldn't wait till the new year. So I called in a couple of my buds who um, know a little bit about Superman, who have also seen the Justice League movie. And that's what we're going to talk about. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the guys who are going to be doing this with me tonight. And we'll do it alphabetically. You know him from everything on the internet, practically. He's uh, from crisis to crisis. He does with his buddy Jeffrey Taylor. Uh, So many things. Views from the long box. Uh, The newest edition. I'm not going to go down the whole litany of all of his podcasts, but the newest addition to the Fortress of Bailey Tude podcasting network. It all comes back to Superman. Michael Bailey. Michael, thank you for joining me. You know, when people say Michael Bailey, who's all over the internet, I'm like, do I have a thing on Pornhub that I'm not aware of? Or Actually, yeah, you do. I created a channel. It's about it's all, yeah, it's, all, it's on premium only. I hate you both. <laughs> Don't ask me where I got the video. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, me. Sitting next to Michael around the table, alphabetically. My podcasting benefactor, my hero, the original host who sat in this chair. And you can call him Dave, J. David Weeder. Hello, hello. Weird to be back here. Well, I hope you like the um, new furniture. I kept the same color, and I haven't hit the red button yet, so I think I haven't destroyed the place totally yet. Stay away from the red button. Yeah. Well, you said <laughs> you said super emergency only. Do not push. I haven't touched it. It's still sitting right there. So all it does is open a door and Clyde comes out. <laughs> <It'll> probably. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying you're onto something, but uh... <laughs> it'll start playing. Never going to give you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're bringing Dave back into the DC world. He has uh, uh, been podcasting a bunch of Marvel guys, and his current podcast, Dave's Daredevil podcast, is. Absolutely terrific. If you like Dave Weeder's style, his his wit, his wisdom of a character, you need to dive into Dave's Daredevil podcast. It's just it everything I know about Daredevil, I've learned from J. David Weeder. Well, thank you. Would you say you might take the dare? Ooh, I love I love the stunned silence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally, around the table, my good friend, 
guy I've podcasted with on several occasions, a short-lived but fun podcast called the Giant Superman Podcast. That was so much fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, you've seen him all over the place, too. He's a little here and there and Golden Age Superman. And his read-through now of the Superman books is that of legend. I'm talking about my good buddy, John M. Wilson. John, welcome to Superman Forever Roundtable. Thank you for having me in 1971, almost 1972, and still going forward with Superbooks. Incredible. So. Uh, are you any Superboy in, in your reading? Oh, oh yeah, all, all of the Superboy. If it's a Super, yeah, I've got, right now, my um, digital library is full of Superman actions. Boy Adventure, which has Supergirl in it right now. Right. Justice Boy. League of America, World's Finest Comics, um, New Gods, Forever People, Miracle, Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane. Um, yeah. It's, Wonderful. It's the Bronze Age. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. That, if you're in the Bronze Age, dear listener, if you're not familiar with what John is doing, he said he's in the Bronze Age, which means he has already read all of those other comics he just mentioned from the Golden Age and the Silver Age. He is now reading them, I, I guess you're reading them chronologically, like an index thing. You're just reading them as they came out. Yeah, basically. I use I use AmazingWorld.com as my, as my resource as far as putting things in order they were published. And uh, yeah. yeah, amazing, amazing. And it's fun to follow John, uh, his reading on online. So gentlemen, here we are. We have all now seen it at least once. Uh, Mike, I think you've seen it twice, right? No, just just the one time. Oh, okay. Um, well, I saw something that your seats were close, so you guys were going to go back and watch it again or something. We uh, well, well, here's the thing: um, assigned seating is now a thing in movie theaters, uh, which shows you how little Rachel and I go to the movies. And during uh, the tickets on Friday, I to the seats up being in the back of the theater because usually when I order tickets like to a show at the Fox here in Atlanta, that's how it's done. But it turns out that that's actually the front. And when we looked at our seats and realized that uh, she would get sick and I would probably get sick because you're freaking close to this movie, uh, we went and they were nice enough to uh, get us to a later show. We had to kill about three hours. Um which I haven't done since my 20s. So, but yeah, we only saw it the one time, but I I would like to see it again, but uh, it's probably going to be when it's on Blu-ray, which should be about three weeks from now. (laughs) That's kind of my feeling. I I can't wait to see it again, but I will wait for the Blu-ray. You know, it, it is kind of weird because I, coming up to this movie, as you guys know online, I was, you know, kind of a, a, a Nazi a little bit about uh, trailers and stuff. Leave me alone. Go away. Stay away. Shut up. Don't say anything. I know it's a Justice League movie. I know who's going to be in it. I don't need anything else. Now, I know a lot of people do, but for me, I didn't want to watch anything. So I watched one trailer And then uh, I watched uh, the ads that were on the CW. CW ran quite a few ads this week or last week in their shows. And I did catch one or two of those. But thankfully, they didn't really do the whole Superman thing in any of the ads and stuff. And I thought this time DC and Warner Brothers did a decent job. Um, I mean, we all knew, but it was a matter of how, not where or how, you know, 
whether he was going to be there or not. Oh, by the way, I guess I should tell everybody we're going to spoil the hell out of this thing, by the way. It's like yeah. it was the best, worst-kept secret, because, I mean, everyone knew that Superman was going to be in it. Yes. But none of the advertisement or marketing for the film had Superman in it. Yes. It, it, was, it was only the merchandise that really had it, but any of the trailers. Though, to be fair, Bob, hmm. um, if you had seen any of the trailers, you, you still would have been completely surprised going into the movie considering how much of the footage in the trailers didn't end up in the final yeah. bottle. So. Right, well, see, now I've heard that online. And now that's a, that's a good point to get to before we kind of get it. Because I was surprised how many people that we know who loved the first two uh, were not thrilled with this one at all. You know, trying to say that they have ruined Zack Snyder's vision for this, that Whedon came in and just made it a Marvel movie. Oh, we've got a whole other faction this time around. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's so weird. Yeah, I, I'd like I'd like to if, if I could, because um, I'm not going to say with certainty, but I think it's it's you're possible that of the four of us, I'm the biggest apologist go to guy for for the first two Superman films. Um, really? No. And, you know, it's just possible. <laughs> I, I'm not going to I'm not going to say that with the definitive um, <laughs> certainty. But I there's feel pretty a, good about it. There's not eight hours worth of evidence out there online. There's not. Yeah, I haven't podcasted about those two for 12 hours. You know, we have a great variety here. We go from hate it, tolerate it, it wasn't bad, to love it. We all yeah. think differently about the four of them in that little spectrum. Actually, I'm going to make a confession here. I didn't see Batman v Superman until Saturday. That was the first time I watched it in first pass, and I watched the extended cut. Uh-huh. Not the dumpster fire I thought it would be. It was actually, I had, I liked it. Didn't love it, but I liked it. Okay, well, you and I then are probably in the same boat in that. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Uh, I think my main complaint with it is kind of like what Michael says. It, I was not crazy about the way they treated Superman. But Henry Cavill is a great Superman. Mm -hmm. um, but, but is this, do you think, do you feel that this movie, the Justice League movie, is a legitimate part three to those first two movies. Or like yeah. some have said, it's so different than the first two. No. It is different than the first two. It is, it is it, Well, the first two films take themselves very seriously. They're introspective. They're explains to be a superhero. Things that with the superhero genre of film that aren't done very often because, you know, they got reacted to so harshly. It's that people aren't accustomed to this kind of film. They don't want it in their superhero films. So then you come to Justice League, and you have much more of an adventure, much more of a rolling superhero adventure situation going on. And I am not one who likes to judge creators' intentions without actually getting the word from them. So I don't know if that's exactly what Snyder intended, and Whedon just put his bit of polish on it. Um, the movie certainly starts out feeling like a Snyder film, um, yes. but I feel like the movie transitions from the hopelessness of a world without a Superman to the joy of a world that not only has Superman back and be a superhero, but also has all these other superheroes. I think in this interpretation of the character helps him feel better about being Superman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and to, to, to key off of that, uh, Things like DC, even on their television stuff, uh, which 
you know, they kind of jumped in feet first with Supergirl, but with Arrow, it took a couple seasons for that to be more of a superhero show. The Flash has now only adopted uh, closer to his classic with the yellow lightning bolts and the belt and the and the gauntlets. The movies, especially, and, and Justice League is a perfect example of this. Really, to and I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is what I see as they're doing is that they're trying to be what the thing is before the thing is the thing. If that makes any sense, so they do a Superman film. Uh, an origin story and it's really chapter it's really the of an overall film series so he's only clark ken at the end of the film so then in the second film you know they they play off of that they bring in wonder woman they don't call her wonder woman they bring in batman they usually just call him the bat but he's been established and now justice league they never call him aquaman in the first draft of, of the film Flash didn't even have a name yet. There's a deleted scene of him eating there, sitting there eating cheeseburgers while they're trying to come up with a name for him. So what this does, and John's absolutely correct with it, is that it's the culmination of all of this, where at the end of the movie, the Flash is running through Central City with, and is a police scientist. Aquaman is in Atlantis. Back Back to being non-cranky Batman. He's gotten out of his despair. Yeah, his yeah. despair. And Superman is back to when he changes into Superman, he opens up his shirt first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so you have these things where now it's more in line with a classic look. Now, I think this. Could, I think this, there's two reasons for this. One, I. I do think it's because Johns is now more heavily involved in the film side of things, uh, starting with Wonder Woman. I, I, I kind of saw some of his fingerprints in that line. Um, mm. But there's fingerprints of his. That entire first sequence with Batman and the Parademon felt like the first issue of 52 Justice League series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so you had that. So, But it did... It's kind of funny where you kind of see where the Whedon stuff and the, and the Snyder stuff is, because... The opening iPhone thing, where little John Wilson and his buddy <laughs> um, right. run up to Superman, just in looking at the face, it, that struck me as something they did on the reshoots. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about it is right away you get Superman in the first seconds of the film. So not only is his presence felt, but you've seen him. Yes. So it kind of keeps you satiated, or kept me satiated. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Yes. But then you open up with, with once again, Zack Snyder taking a Lord Cohen song. And uh, this time it's not two people having sex to it. It's, uh, it's just <laughs> showing, showing the world in despair. And it felt like, I was like, okay, this is a Zack Snyder opening. Right. <laughs> right. Everything about this is Zack Snyder, from the, 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 the angles to everything. But... More than anything else, it just established that now it's the DC Universe, which is different from what Marvel did. And I would have preferred a more Marvel approach, but I got to say, at the end of this, Mm -hmm. I still hate Batman Superman. But if it got me to this, then it's uh, okay. That's fine. (laughs) Right. I I didn't realize you hated Batman v Superman. What'd you say? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut off the conversation. I didn't realize that you would buy your. Um, 
feelings towards Batman v Superman as hating it. I'd never heard you say that before. Uh, well, because to be honest, I don't talk about it online that much because I don't want to get into an argument. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess, and, and I'm not saying that the here's the weird thing. Um, recently, I sat down with somebody and we recorded two hours of us just talking with the film. We did it that way because we just wanted a catharsis where we just wanted us to, to, to use a current colloquialism. We wanted a safe space right. <laughs> to complain about the film because I didn't want someone jump. I didn't want someone jumping on me, but more importantly, I didn't want fights breaking out because of that. When I finally saw the all edition and I was posting about it on Facebook, Holy crap. Did it get, yeah. And I don't need that in my life. You know, I've got enough crap going on. So, Having seen the Ultimate Edition, I can say with guarantee that while there are parts that are better than others, overall, I don't like that movie. And that's okay. I don't have to. If you mm-hmm. like it or anybody else listening to this likes it, I don't want it away from you. But I didn't because it didn't have what I wanted. And that's okay, too. Let <laughs> so, me ask Mike on this Having seen Justice League, which is the, the basically the third act of this trilogy, as the dark middle chapter, does that change your perspective on BVS? No, because my problem with BVS stem from the with Man of Steel is I think these films are in, uh, incredibly unfair to Superman as a character. I think they are constantly putting him on the back. Now, I realize that we are talking about a character that has different interpretations and this isn't my flavor, basically. Mm. But own perceptions of it. And again, it doesn't make me right. And it doesn't make somebody else wrong. It's just my opinion of the material. And I think by turning Man of Steel into what is this is what Goyer said, he wanted it to be a first contact film. I think having Superman's first appearance to the world and everyone simultaneously finds out he's an alien and simultaneously that alien race almost decimated the planet, I think put Superman kind of on the back foot. And then you have a movie where characters are saying they, you know, in the background, there are people liking Superman. I mean, they built a statue to him, mm-hmm. but every character that we are following as an audience, with the exception of Lewis and Superman himself and Alfred, is against him. Now, here's the thing that BV, the the Ultimate Edition of BVS did for me. It gave me context into certain things that I had suspected, and it was like, oh, okay. So when, for example, Holly Hunter says, we're here to search for truth, if you don't uh, have preceding that, the woman telling her she lied, that takes that scene into a whole other level. Electrical cut? No, it was not. Oh, no. wow. No. Uh, which I think was the dead. It, it's it, it kind of funny and sounds snarky, but it was 90 minutes before something came along in the ultimate cut that I'm like, oh, this actually plays into the into the plot. No one will be seated during the two cops watching TV in their car scene. I mean, um, <laughs> right. but. Well, you didn't finish your thought. But basically, it's 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 just not my cup of tea, and I it, this more it, this is, and I realized when watching that film, this, this is a weird one of the weirdest revelations. 
watching Justice League. That's okay. It's okay that I like this film because it gave me what I wanted, Mm -hmm. you know? Because it's unfair. Okay, so here's the thing. It is unfair of me to look at the new generation that is Superman and say, you should have my Superman. You know, that that's unfair to put that on a new batch of readers or viewers mm-hmm. or whatever. But at the same time, if they come around and it's more what I like, it's okay for me to say, well, this because it's more of what I want, because that's human nature. Mm-hmm. So that, that was my ultimate point. Um, you were saying earlier, um, all the characters, talking about how all the characters we follow in BVS are the ones who are sort of opposed either willingly or not to Superman. And that goes to one of my, one of my problems with the film. I don't have a lot of problems with the film. I rather, rather like the film, but one thing I think they could have done differently, uh, it might've served the story they were telling better was to give some context to how the world feels about Superman and all the positivity that is out there in the world about Superman before Lex Luthor finds that Kryptonite and puts his plans in motion to totally do Superman and tear him down. Mm-hmm. Because all of that stuff in the film about the world turning against Superman, I mean, they're going for a lot of commentary on human nature, a lot of our, you know, how we treat things, and that, that's all great, but we didn't see the way things were before. And so all of the conversation we get is, should there be a Superman? Does Superman have the right to exist? We don't see the world that built him a statue. We see the world that wants to tear it down. But the world that built him a statue showed up in Justice League. Yeah. Right. That, that little video of, of, you know, little me um, <laughs> filming my, my, my total, total crush. Um, a, man is that um that was the world that existed before bvs happened that was the world that loved superman and had kids who were all about wanted to film him and everything um and we just never got to see that world before shit hit the fan and he died that's a really good point guys that that in bvs they never really they assumed that we as the audience feel like that little kid with the with the the phone but they're going to show us the other side and they'd never even that up they didn't show enough of the of the bright blue with his red s talking to a kid saying it's about a river and etc cetera, etc cetera. um so you know i think some of the opinions that all they were doing was showing us how bad superman was or how potentially bad he is and how uh, the world doesn't trust him, partially because of the way the world is today. Um, mm-hmm. But they wanted to tell that story of does you know uh, do we need a Superman? Why does there need to be a Superman? Should there be a Superman? I just think they, they could have set us up and given us a little bit of the 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 good guy, a little more of the good guy before. They killed him because that well, one opening scene in Justice League, that one, and it couldn't have been more than what a minute, minute and a half. It was so quick, so short, but it it set up the fact that, like you were saying, John, that is the Superman that little kids would love to walk up to. That that people were cheering as they save him. That's the one they built the statue to, but they didn't show us that until 
about halfway through the Justice League movie. And you talked about this back in June when he when he visited. Uh, BBS would have been served better if they had gone with their original plan and do a straight up Man of Steel number two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could make the argument that BBS is Man of Steel two, but I'm talking just a solo Superman movie. Right with no Batman or Wonder Woman in it, or setting up a larger universe and just following up on what happened in Man of Steel and kind of setting him up as the hero, where at the end of that film, that's when we get the statue because he's done something to make people want to build to him. Exactly. And then you have BVA as it is with no changes coming as a third film. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to have a completely different context. In fact, I, I would think. Yes, yeah, because and I, at that probably, point, we have seen the happy Superman, the good Superman, and that all falls apart in BVS. There would have been some some context, I think, um, and it would have set up Lex Luthor better if in a, a straight-up Man of Steel 2, then we would have maybe seen uh, a little better development of, of the character of Lex Luthor that people seem to hate because they thought he was a little too Mark Zuckerberg- Jokerish or cartoony or something. They dropped Mark Zuckerberg into the Smilex, and that's that's, that's <laughs> right, right. Only your Undertaker knows for sure, right? You know. <laughs> wow. I still want to see uh, James Spader play Lex Luthor in my little fantasy world. Uh, if you guys aren't watching Blacklist, they could rename it Lex Luthor Goes Wild. It's <laughs> it's a great Where show. He's constantly lifting up his shirt to the camera. Oh, you can't believe <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, that was the only thing he does. Boy, this guy is amazing. Uh, let me ask you another well, question. Let me, let me just throw this out for just a, a, a quickie. Because uh, what we're seeing now, of course, online, and, and we can't help it. Everybody does it. Not everybody, but I see a lot of it. When a movie comes out, uh, everybody has to go to the box office numbers. How much money did it sell? How much money did it oh, beat boy. this movie or that <laughs> movie? And and um, I think I've, you know, of course, it's not this movie or that movie. People are saying, well, it didn't get as much as this Marvel movie. So, you know, I think that people... And this is something I was thinking about a little earlier. Since about the mid-60s, maybe into the 66, 67, Marvel uh, started outselling DC in the comic world. And pretty much, I mean, it goes up and down a little bit here and there, but pretty much since that time, since Marvel superheroes hit the world, they pretty much consistently outsell DC Comics. If you look at Diamond or some of the other comic book tracking places, distributors, if there's three DC Comics in the top ten, there'll be five Marvel Comics. If if a Batman comic makes it to number two, Spider-Man will be number one or Captain America. I mean, it's has it come to a point where we as DC fans just have to kind of admit to ourselves that for whatever the reason out there, the general public seems to prefer Marvel characters over DC characters. I'll never do that. This movie suffered at the box office, not because it's not a Marvel movie. There is some comparison, but it's put out a question of the people online or movie. Why did it fail? And the big question is, or the big answer is people decided early on, 
I'm not going to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went in with very modest expectations, expecting, hey, maybe I'll get a few cool Wonder Woman scenes. And I got blown away. <laughs> right. But there were people who weren't willing to go see it because they didn't like BVS. And they made up their mind in, in, in March of 2016. And even the goodwill that Joss Whedon has gotten didn't didn't sway them. I mean, it scared me when Joss came. I'm like, he's known for one big thing on his resume. Well, two big things. One of those is the Avengers. I'm like, I, I'm a little nervous about Joss coming in. Yeah, I was very nervous. But, but I expected that the public would open their eyes and say, okay, this is a different movie. We're trying to do something that isn't BVS, and I should take it on its own merit. And no, I mean, it was just people who stamped their foot and said, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, earlier this summer, Wonder Woman was the biggest movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, let's bask in that for a moment. Wonder yeah. Woman is the biggest superhero in the world right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if she's on screen, I can't take my eyes off of her. She's, no. She, I, and I love Linda Carter. And, and, you know, bless you, Linda, for what you did for us and putting Wonder Woman on the TV screen. But Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. She is. She is. She's got an Audrey Hepburn quality to her that you just, she's something, she's ethereal. They yes. have that ethereal quality. Yes. Yes. And whether she's as Diana Prince or in full war garb fighting the bad guys, she is just perfect. She's absolutely perfect. You could not scour this planet of 7 billion people and find a better woman to put in that role. She's absolutely amazing. And here we've got Superman, Batman, Flash. We even had the damn Green Lantern Corps on screen for, you know. But Wonder Woman pulls out her lasso or sword and boom. All right, let's go, girl. Let let me ask you a question. Uh, This is an Easter egg question uh, before I make uh, the point that actually has what to do with you talking about. The dude with the lightning, was that Shazam? No, that was Zeus. That should have been Shazam. It should have been. Yes, it should have, now that you say that. Um, do you think also, maybe, and this is just me talking out of my ass because I have no idea how Hollywood works. Um, uh, uh, do you think maybe the weekend before Thanksgiving is really the best time to release your big-budget film? Mm. I mean, Thanksgiving everyone's, going on, everyone's going on vacation. I mean, Thanksgiving Day, it's a better time, but just the weekend before may have played in it well because everyone's traveling mm-hmm. everyone's you know getting ready for you know their the holiday and all that i don't know if that's the best time i would have either put it directly on thanksgiving or the weekend of thanksgiving instead of the weekend before but you know and i think it's weird that we're using the term failing at the box office it made over 90 million dollars yeah two days. yeah you said fail earlier i i, I didn't want to I, I don't think that it has failed at the box office. It, I mean, it it depends on how you're looking at it. And th- uh, that's, see, that's the thing is that I I I look at numbers, and everybody has a spin. Yeah. Whenever whenever mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman was putting out some really fucking big numbers, mm-hmm. everybody had a. And I kept saying it's not making back its budget. Well, its budget was less, but it's not making back its budget plus marketing and. At the end of the day, I had to say, you know what? Only the people sitting at Warner Brothers are going to decide if this is a success or not. Yes. But but Batman versus Superman had a really phenomenal opening weekend, mm-hmm. huge opening weekend, and it had a percentage drop going to its second weekend, 
think by virtue of the fact that so many people saw it on the first weekend. And so Justice League has its first weekend, and the, the people are the spin that I see on the numbers is that it wasn't as big as Batman versus Superman's open, so it must not be as good. And that was even a bad movie then. And I'm like, but Batman versus Superman was touted as having a massively huge. It's numbers are just numbers. Yes. And while it feels vindicating to see something like get good numbers, a that's no indication of quality, and b the only people right at the end of the day who can decide the numbers are good enough are the people sitting with the with the you know. The accounts, yeah, the bean counters. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, when I when I see this, and I saw a headline today, it, failure at the box office, and I'm thinking, is how can it be a failure when in the United States in two days it made over ninety million dollars, and worldwide, not counting the new, an additional two hundred plus million dollars. So we're close to three hundred million dollars in two days worldwide. Which means it's made back its budget in one weekend. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's exactly. made back its budget. Exactly. Uh, but keep in mind that I, I don't necessarily agree with what I'm about to say. And all first for this is Forbes magazine, which has been against the DC films from the beginning. Yes. Uh, going back. Pisses me off. Me yeah, too. I'm sure it does. But the article, <laughs> I read, the article I read today basically said that for this film to be successful for Warner Brothers... It had to make over $600 million because they added the 250 to $300 million budget to $150 million for promotion. And then when the Blu-ray and the home video release comes out, that's another like $100 million. So all told, it has to $600 million for it to be successful. Now, Here's the other thing. John said numbers are numbers, and he is absolutely right because a company can say it is all dependent on what the executives at Warner Brothers consider to be important. If they decide that it's okay, it's okay. You know, it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But if they just. It's basically if somebody's looking for a way to say it's a failure, an executive will call it a failure based on whatever numbers they pull out. Right. So. They can use those numbers to justify whatever position they want to take. Well, is Forbes actually taking in the merchandising, which is flying off of shelves, by the way, if you've been to a Target or Walmart oh, recently? Uh, yeah. Wait, wait. You guys have merchandising where you are? Because my area has been a wasteland. Really? Hmm. Yes. I. It took me... Uh, shops to find the Funko Pop that I was looking for. Walmart only got the one Walmart in the area that got a Justice League like stack out. All it had was Batmobiles, Batman and the Elvinch doll. Mm. So I was really disappointed actually because one of the favorite things about these movies coming out is going to the stores and seeing all the crap for sale. Yeah, And it's in this area, I guess I guess I live in the wrong town. Since the numbers are the numbers, and we'll wait and see, but I, I think it's going to be a successful movie because uh, most of the word of mouth, except for a few disgruntled people, most of the word of mouth online that I've seen of people who've seen it, actually, um, liked it. 
I mean, they're not saying a whole lot of really bad stuff. And we could nitpick. I think a lot of us, we could if we want. Uh, we could nitpick. And maybe down the road we'll do a real in-depth nitpick on the thing. But I think overall, and I don't know if, if for me personally, if it was that I had you know, set the bar so low this time that, or I was, I didn't know what, you know, I was uh, so nervous about it. I think that's why for my status, instead of just saying I loved it or I liked it, I went, I liked it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because it was a relief, you know, to, to be sitting there and about 15 minutes into it, when we're in that first kind of dark thing, I'm going, oh, no, are we going to go? Wait, well, that was cool. What's that? And then, you know, all these thoughts are going. I'm saying, okay, Bob, sit back, relax, watch the damn movie. Don't start trying to judge every scene, every little nuance now. Let it come in, see it for what it is, and then determine what you think. And uh, when Kim and I left the theater, we're walking back to the car. And uh, she says, uh, well... And I said, I kind of liked it. And she said, I loved it. I went, really? And she said, I liked it better than Wonder Woman. My wife liked Justice League better than the Wonder Woman movie. She had more fun in it. And until this one, the Wonder Woman movie was her favorite. And we've seen many of them. We've seen the Spider-Man movies, the Avengers movies. We've seen, we didn't see the Hulk movies. We saw one of the four movies. I mean, we've seen all of the DC movies and, and uh, a lot of the Marvel movies. And to date, this is the one she said she had the most fun in. My daughter um, had a similar reaction. She is a big fan of Wonder Woman, but her biggest problem with the Wonder Woman film is the big fight at the end. Yes. Um, Fight scenes need a lot of draw her in. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the Avengers has this, uh, has her basically that's her go-to. If she wants, if she wants to describe a movie with a with a scene that she really enjoys, she describes the the last act of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Wonder Woman, she saw when she saw it the second time with other people. When the fight scene started at the end, she went to the bathroom, oh. and came back, and did not feel like she'd missed anything. Right, um, I agree with but, that. I think that was the weakest part of the Wonder Woman movie. It was on a really good mm-hmm. course, and it kind of just kind of went meh towards the end, but. Overall, I love that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but to contrast that with Justice League, she was really drawn in for the end. Yes. Um, the, 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 you know, whatever you want to call it, the choreography of the fight scene. Yes. And the, the storytelling of the fight scene really had her going. And so they, as far as she's concerned, they did their job in telling a story while they were also matching their toys together. Bingo. Well, let me let me ask you this though, John. Uh, if 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 her if her go-to is the Avengers, that actually leads credence to my overall theory that there are similarities between Justice League and the first Avengers film, mm-hmm. where the final fight, both of those, kind of has that that same quality to it of them all going to the battle. And then in the middle of it, Clark goes up and, you know, tells everybody that his secret is that he's always angry um, <laughs> or that he always loves truth and justice. In right. fact, Superman and the Hulk in both of those films 
a very similar vibe to them. Yes. Where there's a big fight with with all the other heroes in the middle of the movie, but then he comes and saves the day at the end. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but yes. And since Hulk is basically now with anger issues. Um, <laughs> Well, let's, let, since we're on Superman Forever Radio, let's talk about the moment that Superman shows up in the fight, though. Yes. Uh, I'm in an Alamo. Alamo Draft House is on Don't Make Noise. Enjoy the movie. And I'm doing my best, but my I, I couldn't help but do like an audible. <gasps> <laughs> I'm slapping my wife's knee. Did anybody else have a similar moment? Oh, oh yes. yes. Oh, when, yes. When I, heard, when I heard, well, I like truth, and I went, oh, it's about to happen. There's a world of hurt about to come on Steppenwolf right now. Yep. Uh, and and then it's like, but I really have a thing for justice. And I'm like, hell yeah. That's <laughs> why. I did that, that out loud. Why. I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was amazing. And if anything, what this film I think did for Superman is to show how, despite Batman being more popular, the world can't get by without him. Right. Mm-hmm. This team can't get by without him. And I thought they were very magnanimous, backing Ben Affleck off a little bit. And not only was Bat- Ben Affleck saying through the course of the film, he was more human than I was. You know, he was a beacon of hope. Right. Uh, he's kind of a zealot like that. You know, it's like somebody who 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 is a like not into religion, but really super gets into religion. No pun intended. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> But it, it just it just showed to me that you, you can't have this team without Superman on it. Right. In this context. And it was just it was a beautiful moment. There's the little strains music, which because of the sound system and the theater I was in, the music was kind of drowned out a little bit, which was a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. But no, it was it was it was that and moment he looks at the flash right but right after he Ooh, <laughs> kim's favorite moment in the movie was that moment in that fight scene <laughs> one i think she just kind of liked seeing henry cavill without his shirt but oh, so did <laughs> yeah. I, and so did you guys yeah. and john yeah so okay john calm down he's an attractive man yes yeah. he is <laughs> but when he turned and looked at flash and then they showed flash's face of wait <laughs> he's looking at me what is that that, I have messed up. <laughs> yes. Such a good. And speaking of Flash, uh, as far as, uh, you know, they called him Barry Allen, but that wasn't Barry Allen, of course. But it didn't matter. Whoever that character they were pulling from, a little bit of Wally West, a little bit of the Flash in the Justice League International animated thing and wherever, that guy was great. I fell in love with that guy. And that guy was us. He was if us. If you take me to the Batcave, the first thing I'm going to do is rush over to the Batmobile and jump in. Yes, he, he was he, us. Yeah. <laughs> this is the flash happens when your stoner friend gets hit by the lightning. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. But so entertaining. It was, you know, and I think the entertaining part of this movie that, because that, I was really nervous when I heard that Wedden Whedon had come on. I was nervous because I do not want... Uh, the Avengers. I did not want in the middle of, you know, buildings falling down all around you, wisecrack, killing 15 people, wisecrack, plane falls out of the sky, joke. I didn't want that. 
this I think found a really good balance of of serious when needed to be serious, but the jokes weren't really hitting you over the head. They were, you know, um, they, they were, were well not timed. Dick Grayson level puns, and <laughs> you know they were, but they were they were perfectly timed, and uh, even Batman had a couple and. The two things that I was really worried about, well, three, was Whedon. I didn't know. I didn't want it to turn into a joke fest. Uh, two, I was a little nervous about Flash uh, from the one promo I had seen, and that was totally put away. I loved the character. Even though he's no Flash I know, it, it was a great character, and I enjoyed yep. that character on screen. And if they wanted that to make was him I'm Flash, okay, go with it. That was fine. Uh, Ezra Miller as the Flash was one of my sticking points because I love the Flash, shelves of Flash stuff. Yes. After leaving this movie, I'm like, honey, let's go to Target. I got the Funko Pop. So he's <laughs> yeah. now in the canon, in my yeah. head canon. Yes. He, he's been added now to my own head canon as a very legitimate uh, character to be wearing the Flash suit. And a lot of people were thinking prior to the movie that, oh, he's going to be too close to the TV show Flash. No, they're both adorable. They're both just charming and funny and whatever, but two entirely different characters that work well, even though they're both called Barry Allen. Uh, forget the name. doesn't matter. You could have called him Wally Allen. You could have called him anything. He was a good character. And for The Flash, and like you said, I think, Dave, he was us. And that was us going to the Batmobile and getting all giddy and, hey, can I keep this? Cool. Wow. Oh, yeah. they just all kind of left. Well, that was rude. It, it was but so. The most good. unbelievable part of this movie was that Bruce let him in that really nice Mercedes with that pizza. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I half expected the wings to come out of that Mercedes and fly. Yeah. <laughs> Push a button. Actually, when that scene happened, I went, This scene brought to you by Mercedes. <laughs> right. The loving shot of the logo popping up on the dashboard was a little much for me. <laughs> it wasn't a Marlboro truck, though. <laughs> yeah. that. The other thing that I was nervous about, because I'm not a fan of the character yet, I am now, uh, was um, Mr. Fisher playing uh, uh, Cyborg. To me, Cyborg is a Teen Titan. He should be a Teen mm -hmm. Titan. I can't, in the comics, I still have a problem with him. Uh, they haven't utilized him in the comics yet, I think, as well as they did in this movie. I really liked this character. And I think they gave him a personality at first. You could totally understand where he was coming from. And his arc, with as little dialogue and as little stuff as he had in the movie... We got to see his personality and his character do a really nice uh, turnaround until when they're on the on the roof of the uh, police station with Commissioner Gordon. Great Commissioner Gordon. I love that guy. Yep. Just so good. Uh, yeah, this, this was a really pleasant surprise because you're right. Whenever he was brought in by Johns on the Justice League, he was given an origin. He was, you know, given a little bit of... Um, uh, continuity that tied into what he was doing with Dark Side and everything, and and he always he was basically the chauffeur. He was the uh, he was the gateway Panthera. for the X Men in Australia, right? To just get them from <laughs> one place to another. Um, he didn't have enough character 
the Justice League, and then whenever the um, whenever the um, the credits for the movie were released, and he was on the third tier actors. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was placed next to uh, J.K. Simmons right. and um, Diane Lane. Um, I was I was just concerned. But from the moment that you first hear his voice, he is putting pathos character. Mm-hmm. He is putting some gravitas mm-hmm. into that character. When he is on the screen, you can't help but be drawn to him unless Wonder Woman is standing next to him. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> so he he killed it on that character. He was the biggest surprise to me in the movie. Uh, I, I I had written him off. And totally, you know, well, written him off as just a sub character that doesn't belong on the Justice League. But they used the character with that kind of tech on his body. This time they used it really well. Mm -hmm. You know, it showed for the first time for me that he's just not some guy, okay, we need some exposition or some computer talk. Have him plug into the dashboard and tell us what's going on. This time they actually gave him a character. And um, and the actor nailed it. Actor absolutely nailed it. It could very easily been what you just described because he's been in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Outside, uh, outside of that first, he was kind of critical to everyone working the way it did. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll totally agree with that. Which is kind of sad uh, because he's a great character. Yes. Uh, b- before that, but I. The one thing I was really happy with him because I, I kind of liked the actor because I watched a bunch of the interviews when they were doing the press mm-hmm. junkets. I really was drawn to the actor. I thought he was very charismatic. Um, I need to go watch those I, now then. And I, and I liked the t- I liked the quality of his voice, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, But the one thing I was happy with him is that they cleaned up the CGI from the commercials. Mm-hmm. I was terrified up until I actually saw it in the movie because it looks awful in the trailers. Yeah, and then that's just because they haven't gotten there yet because they're you know they're still doing their fiddly stuff with the code. Mm-hmm. But I thought I didn't think there was a member on this team that didn't belong there. Right. Which was one of the nicer parts of it. I mean, this isn't the Aquaman I'm used to. This isn't the Flash I'm used to. Right. But then again, when I watched the Justice League animated series back in 2001, that wasn't the Flash I was. Well, it was kind of the Flash I was used to. Not really, right. But but Jon Stewart was the first Green Lantern, and you just accepted that. Oh, for you guys? Yeah, that's right. Your generation, that would have been him, not... uh, No, Kyle. Well, it would have been Kyle or Hal. But but, but for... We're not that young. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We we were there for Super Friends. Okay. My first Green Lantern was Alan Scott. That's who I started reading with whenever you get Lantern. My name's Jack Wilson, and I like the Golden Age. (laughs) You know what? That's what I like. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, is that... Everybody like the Avengers film, the first Avengers film, and I'm not comparing it to compare to say one was better than the other. Right. But the thing about the first Avengers film that I liked was finally all these characters were together. Yes. And they were a team. And I was kind of worried that this was going to be Batman and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. But you didn't get that. Uh, you know, it's it's like the weird things that bugged me. Most of them got resolved during the course of the film. I was pissed when I found out that Martha Kent lost the. Yes, I was like, "How do you let that happen?" Right. 
But then they pulled out of that at the end with one of the best Bruce Wayne moments. <laughs> like, I bought the bank. The whole bank. Yeah, it's just like, well, Bruce, why didn't you do that in the first place? You should have been watching her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you owe this man more than that, but I get it. You're busy. Had a little bit on his mind, maybe. But no, everybody, everybody had a place. Everybody had a role to play. Everybody was given, I think, equal treatment. And one of my favorite moments was actually the first post-credit sequence. I was thinking Super of you when I watched that, by the way. Superman and Flash 1, somebody oh. was watching the TV shows, because that felt a lot like the Barry that car did. race that, did. that one episode. Uh, but what I, what I loved about it is that Barry's the new guy, Superman's been around for a little longer, and Superman's just totally messing with him, okay? You know, <laughs> right. Whoever loses off the team. Right. I think they missed, my wife said this, is that they missed a brilliant opportunity for a third end credit sequence of them all having brunch. <laughs> mm, right. Going. But yes. I won. Yeah. In so costume. You actually know who won. You don't have that mystery yet, but you still have to have him taking everyone to brunch, but him telling everyone he won. <laughs> Just <laughs> right. That's great. And I will say this, since we're Superman guys, while not happy with Eisenberg and BVS. Holy crap! Did he feel <laughs> like like Are they going to do Rock of Ages as the sequel to this film? That was Lex Luthor sitting there. Yeah, that was Lex. I like that that Joe Mangiello as as Deathstroke was put right in front of our faces, and we all apparently forgot it until the last scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I totally forgot. Can you until believe that he was Flash Thompson in the first Spider Man film? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my wow. god. <laughs> really? Did you know that, yeah. John? I hadn't thought about it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's two Spider-Man guys in this film. And Professor Hamilton, the cyborg's dad. <gasps> oh. oh yeah. Oh. From early That's a That's a yeah. Damn. Wow. wow. To this is this is my party trick. This is all <laughs> I yeah, this is, isn't it? Okay. This is your new this is your new podcast that you have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, um wow. But go going back to to Superman's role in this. Uh one there was a huge article that came out that detailed basically all of the supposed deleted scenes. Mm. Um one, I want to throw this really quick. There are Asking for Zack Snyder's cut of the film. Yeah. Is there a Zack Snyder cut of this film to be had? Because Apparently it was a rough cut at the time, but it was shown to executives and suddenly they had reshoots. Of Ooh. a rough cut, original rough cut that I heard didn't even have all of the CG in it. It was still the guys in their ball suits. You know, the little <laughs> ping pong ball suits. <laughs> wow. Not the, not the Peter ball Gabriel Liam Lows down on Broadway ball suit, but... Okay, so guys in their ball suits is the name of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> but so, but one of the one of the things in that list of scenes was that Superman coming back took longer. That there were shots of him having trouble with his powers mm, mm-hmm. on the farm and all that. And I'm yeah. wondering, did we get what we really needed out of the film? Because to me, maybe it's because I was impatient, which is totally possible. Right. Uh, I've been in the past, but I think the pacing of his return 
was pretty much perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the in the film we got, I don't want to see him like Lois having to deal with the toddler uh, Superman, you know, burning a you know burning the Kent house down because right. he's not in control of his heat vision or right. Cause, you know we we got the big fight with the group which was fun uh, and the you bleed. I thought that was a nice you know mirror to the the last film, mm-hmm. but. When it popped to him standing in the cornfield and Lois coming out and you realize he's back to himself and then Martha drives up, I'm like, that's all we need. That's really. all we needed. I agree. I agree. That's where I had turned into goo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When he sees his yeah. mom, you're just like, I just oh got to dab my eyes a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and just with everything that had gone with Leah, like, you know, sons coming back to their moms. It was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a great, great moment. Yeah. You know, but for to the deleted a, scenes, there was a there was one that I kind of wish they'd kept in where he sees Jonathan in Cornfield and Jonathan says, you know, the whole good character, bad, you're going to change the world. And that's what snapped him back and makes him completely accept Superman. Mm. I like that idea. What it was it? so, so ridiculed EVS that I think they're like abort mission. Right. <laughs> Get Costner out of there. <laughs> yeah. But they could have brought well, John but back they, to do But the they point. made up for it because what I love about the resurrection scene is that when he's going into the goo, the picture goes in with him. Mm. So yes. It's like Jonathan's part of him. Mm. Yeah, I thought that I, was I a nice touch. You know the thing that surprised me a little bit? Um, when when uh, Flash and uh, uh, Cyborg were digging up in the graveyard, digging the coffin up in the graveyard, which was a creepy scene and a funny scene and a tender scene. It was a, it was a lot of emotion in that scene. When Flash's shovel hit the coffin, at that point, what flashed into my head was the coffin will be empty. They'll open it. It'll be empty. And then we'll do like the comic. We'll go back to the fortress and Kelix will have him in a suit. And and I thought that's where they might go to 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 take him to the fortress and the robots kind of bring him back. But then as they put him in the goo, I realized, well, for non-comic guys, for just the guys who like the movie and people who just like the movies, this is a good callback. And it makes Wonder Woman's... Uh, I guess, trepidation of trying it because of what happened with Zod, uh, a, a real thing, a real concern about trying to do the same thing to bring Cal back and uh, uh, using the mother box. So some people are calling that kind of a lazy shortcut or something, but but I think it ties think- in perfectly with the previous one and it sets us all up for, oh, well, it worked then, maybe it will work again, and then giving I us think it's- kind of bad Superman. Yeah. I think it's evidence of planning of where he was going to go from the get-go. Mm, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the fact that they used the device from the second movie to bring him back in the third movie mm-hmm. is the ac- the direct opposite of an accident. And that's planning. I mean, you basically have Zod. Zod being mixed with Luthor to make Doomsday and that device, and that Doomsday being used to bring Superman back to life in the third, there's a through line there mm-hmm. of each movie connecting to the next that, I mean, it's not lazy writing, that's fucking planning out your plot. <laughs> you see, that's what I came to, as soon as the scene is happening, and when the picture of Jonathan falls into the goo with him, and then they just kind of slowly push his chest down under the goo, I got chills. I got, oh, this is, something's going to happen here. This is, 
this is going to happen. By this point now, I'm totally into this movie and letting all of the bad possibilities go away because my one of my original concerns was that they're setting him up as the bad guy and it'll be the fourth movie before we see a good Superman because in this one, he's going to come back and be a tool of dark side. That was definitely my fear as well. That's what I was afraid of. If they are still to follow up on that nightmare sequence, Batman versus Superman, Mm -hmm. at at least now we have the pay of oh my god yes we have our Superman back yes and and so now if they decide to go that direction for a portion of a film it's not like delaying gratification that mm-hmm. much more right we're we're now up for the second round right you know it's kind of funny though because one of the things that I was reading uh, before I went to the film because I was only reading general people's general thoughts I wasn't trying to get too much into it right. but boy they spoiled things for me anyways you know. Gifts can spoil when you show them without context. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I kept hearing was that the story was cheesy. And I don't know. I, I have two minds on it watching the film. On one hand, am I not thinking it's choppy because I know who all these characters are? Right. And, and, I, and I'm so much of a DC guy that I'm just, like, accepting everything. I'm like, oh, I know who that is. I know who that is. Does a lay person? Or... Is it that people, some people coming into this weren't as obsessive about watching ultimate ends of a movie where, you know, they say that the plot was choppy, but it didn't feel choppy to me because there was a definite through line. Steppenwolf was back. He wanted to get the three boxes together and the Justice League had to stop him. Is that a deep and meaningful mediation on life, the universe, and everything. No, but it's a great plot for a superhero. Movie. Sure, sure. Um, but more than anything else, it was all set up in the previous film. Did yeah. everyone just forget? I mean, even in the theatrical cut, at the very end of it, Lex Luthor's screaming, you know, he's seen us, and now he's coming. And then Bruce, throughout the first, film is like, well, from Luther's notes, these boxes. From Luther's notes, these boxes. So was anybody paying attention while they were watching the <laughs> movie? Because I don't know. They kind of I followed us. it, and yeah. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Yeah. And see, it, it's, it's, it's weird to come out of a movie and have people say something didn't make sense. Whenever it's like, but the scripts this and this and this. Mm-hmm. So how does that not make sense? Yeah, we're not talking subjective themes here. We're no. talking actual things that happened in the movie that are objectively non-arguable. Right. They said the things they said. Yes. I thought it was really, you know, pacing was good. I thought the story was easy to follow. Uh, even Kim in the big fight scenes. Uh, and when and Kim has been reading all of my comic books and modern comic books lately over the last two years, so she's pretty much caught up with Rebirth like I am. So it was pretty amazing uh, for her to do this, and she had no problem finding it. And and she even made a joke in the car that the reason she liked the fight scene so much in this is that they weren't like the comic books. It wasn't just a two to four page spread of everybody fighting just to throw a fight scene in. 
all the fight scenes meant something and advanced the story for each of the characters. Even with the bad Superman, when he first comes out and he's fighting the Justice League, which then leads us to that great Flash scene. And then <laughs> uh, when Batman, and, and I'll, I'll ask you three this, this was a great, caught me absolutely, totally flat-footed. When Batman early on mentioned to Alfred the big gun, and then at the fight scene calls Alfred and says, we need the big gun, bring out the big gun. Did you guys think it was Lois? Or oh, no? Yes, no? I thought it was Green Lantern. I thought it was Lois from the beginning. Did you? And that's yes, I actually did. And 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 this is one of those rare moments where a a gut feeling led me to it because they said Lois was going to be a big part of this. And having her in the beginning, I'm like, what is the one going to snap him out of this? It's going to be Lois. Mm. So they bring her out snaps him out of it. Boy, it was so good. Done so well. It really caught me. I don't know why. I guess I was so wrapped up in the movie. I wasn't thinking that far ahead. And when Bruce said, or Batman said to Alfred over the intercom, it's time for the big gun or bring out the big guns. I literally thought it was going to be some bat gun plane <laughs> with full of kryptonite or something that's just going to capture him until they can, you know, calm him down or something. When Well, when Lois, Lois did show up, I'm like that set up in BVS with Flash's weird message yes. in his Iron Lois Man. Lois is the key. key. Lois is yeah. the key. Uh, yeah, all of that just went out the window. And then when she showed up, this huge smile over my face. And and I went, oh, of course. Yes. Brilliant. Perfect. Um, there was one question that I want to see again. This is why I need to go back and see it again, because Kim brought up. When... Um, when, when she came up to him after the big fight, the Justice League, and he's standing there in his Hulk outfit with tattered shorts and no shirt, and Lois and he take off, and they just fly up in the air and take off. The next thing we see is them landing at the farm, but he's got a shirt on. He's fully dressed. Did I miss that? Did, did, how did he get Did dressed? he have a shirt on? I thought in the cornfield he had his red plaid shirt back on. When Martha drove up in the truck. Yeah, but he had shirt on by then. But I think when they first land, he's still topless. Yeah. I could be wrong. Okay. Well, I can't wait to see it again for little things like that. That speaking of outfits, did anyone notice that suit that he was wearing in the uh, in the grave when they put him in the in the goo? The, the tan suit? Superman? No, the blue suit. It the looked blue, blue to me. The blue suit. It, it looked like the traditional Clark Kent suit. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, that's what I thought it was. It's just a, a blue suit. Yeah, the standard silver silver age. Or, yeah, uh, yes. and forward. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I was too busy being weirded out by the corpse on screen. <laughs> right. that, that actually did make me uncomfortable. With like Bob said, when they push him into the goo, I'm like, dude, this is this feels. That's off. Superman's dead body. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Y'all, y'all really need to get more comfortable around dead bodies. I have some suggestions on how to do that. We can talk later. Oh, okay, good. John, you can keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, sorry, comic book Easter egg that just popped into my head. Yes. Uh, when when Aquaman was sitting on the lasso. Oh God, was that funny? <laughs> that is. Uh, Replace him with Green Lantern, and that happened yeah. in the first New Fifty Two story. Yes, yeah. How Jordan did the exact same thing. Yes, it was also in the Wonder Woman animated movie with yeah. Trevor. Yeah, I yep. actually hope when they do a live version, when Green Lantern eventually joins this group, 
uh, I would love to see that new 52 scene where uh, Batman takes the, the the ring from Green Lantern. <laughs> that was just a funny scene. And I, I don't think it's real. I don't think you can do that. I, I thought the ring had some sort of protections or something. But, and, you know, and for a, for a movie series that gets accused of being so damn serious, they had a freaking lasso of truth throughout this entire movie. I know. <laughs> and for and him to glowed. be sitting on it was just, it was hysterical. Because when he turns to her and say, and you're just oh, gorgeous. You know, it was just. I know was, we fought, but that was before my time. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, well, guys, I think we have our Superman back. And uh, I am just thrilled and can't wait to see what they do with him. I hope I live long enough because it's going to be another couple of years before we see anything else from uh, the Superman side of the DC universe. Because we'll have an Aquaman. We'll have another Wonder Woman. Uh, I think they're probably, I don't know if the rumors are true, but Ben Affleck, do you think he's going to stick around or is his time in the Batsuit done? He's had a one foot out the door for a while. Yeah. I, I, well, the rumors came back and forth on that. Yeah. Yeah. My only hope is that if Jake Gyllenhaal does take over the role, everyone has been rumoring that they don't go back and reshoot parts of Dark Knight. That would be really creepy, considering Maggie Gyllenhaal was uh, <laughs> Rachel in that movie. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I creeped John out this entire show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, gentlemen, I hope we can get together. I don't want to keep you guys here all night. I hope we can do this again and maybe do a deep dive on this when the Blu-ray comes out or something and maybe, um, you know, look for some nits to pick. But um, uh, if we have to give a grade to this, just as its own little thing, just as a one-time, don't compare it to this movie or that movie, just maybe your own entertainment level on this uh mike what do you what do you think how do you how are you going on that oh i'm giving this an a and it, it, it's really funny because i have you know i see a lot of people saying it was good but it wasn't great i did throughout this entire film i liked there there wasn't a point in this movie where i checked out i was i was into all of the characters i th- did exactly what it wanted to do and it gave me every moment i've been wanting from these films up to and including Superman, the Henry Cavill Superman using super breath. Mm. Mm. Freeze breath. Yeah. Total, total A from me. All right, Dave. I'm going B plus just because of some technical, the CGI was kind of wonky. Mm -hmm. Um, Steppenwolf wasn't interesting. MacGuffin and I'm good with that, but his CGI was terrible. So I'm going B plus extremely good. And, And Mike, like Mike, it was just line up everything I've wanted to see in Justice League, and you've got 95% right there. Wonderful. John? I'm going to go A-. minus. Uh, the minus is similar to what Dave said. I don't think the Steppenwolf was terrible, but I think that movies have raised the standard on what you can do with a fully uh, realized CGI character, and he was not up to that standard. Mm-hmm. But really more um, – there's a lot of weird – camera film quality differences that were just kind of off-putting to me like for example when we in the last shot of the film we are going to see Lex Luthor there there are two shots back to back whenever uh, Deathstroke walks into the room where Luthor is there's a wide shot that's extremely grainy 
and it's really weird. And then the very next shot is close on Lex Luthor, and it's high def. Mm. Throughout the film, there were there were some shots that has a weird, grainy quality to that. I don't know why that was. Um, so for for just some of the weird technical stuff that showed some. I don't know, maybe some behind-the-scenes problems. I'm going to stick a minus on my A. But as far as the story of the film, the script, the performances, like Michael said, I loved the, I, I really had a good time and enjoyed this film start to finish. All right. Well, I'm going to give it an A because uh, my eyesight didn't let me see the bad CG that you guys saw. I even see some people complaining that uh, uh, Henry Cavill had a mustache during this because he was filming something else and they brought him back so they cg'd out his mustache during the the that. i didn't see yeah during the iphone conversation at the beginning and the flash scene at the end mm-hmm. um there's some visible difference there okay. but i'll probably see it on the blu-ray when i sit you know six inches away from my 40 inch screen and then <laughs> <and> i'll see <laughs> i will see his mustache under the fake <laughs> cg uh but i'm gonna give it an a because from about like i said from about five minutes in uh, a smile planted on my face and a couple i let out a couple of verbal yeses in the theater i clapped my hands loudly once a slap yes and um came out of the movie thoroughly enjoying it with a smile i, I even said this earlier this is probably the first dcu movie that i came out actually smiling and not just a fake smile. It was there. I had nothing to do with it. It was there on my face. And, uh, part of it was that the pacing and, but the main part, the main reason that I loved this movie was how they treated Superman like he should be. This was the Superman that I wanted to see. And I enjoyed man of steel. I have never actually gone public on my thoughts of Batman v Superman. Cause remember Mike, we were going to do that big uh, thing and we never got around to it. Yeah. We were going to, we were going to get the man of steel round table band back together. Yeah. And uh, like everybody lost interest. Everybody just <laughs> thought, well, maybe this may not be the best idea. Uh, so I have, because of that, I have never gone public on Facebook or anything. I, I doubt anybody could actually know what I really thought of Batman v Superman, and I liked it. I liked the uh, extended cut much better than the theatrical cut, but still was not crazy about how they treated Superman. This was the Superman I wanted to see, large and in charge. Um, I'm George Reeves' guy, and when George Reeves comes on screen, that's who you're. That's it. That's Superman. He's the guy, large and in charge. And I'm going to tell you, when I heard. I kind of like truth. Holy sh! And then it turned, and he said, "But like a little justice too." And he knocked the crap. I don't care if it was CG or what it was. To me, that was Superman, large and in charge, knocking the crap out of the bad guy because the Justice League couldn't do it without him. And Henry Cavill sounded good. That was something else. We had real dialogue from Henry Cavill this time. Back and forth dialogue, emotional scene with Lois, good scenes with the Justice League and Diana. Um, this is a solid A movie for me. I want, I want to throw out one thought just to piggyback off of what you were saying. Yeah. There's always the joke or the Snyder mark or whatever that what does Superman need with a Justice League? Right. 
And to me, I thought this movie really conveyed a justice competent and powerful Superman gave them that extra extra power they just didn't quite have to save the day here so it's like it's not that Superman doesn't need a Justice League it's that the Justice League is awesome but it does need Superman yes well said well said entirely gentlemen once again thank you so much for this and uh, joining me on the first ever Superman Forever Roundtable Michael where can they find you uh, fortressofalitude.com it's the one stop shop for all the podcasts I do so. yay Nice job. Dave, where can they find you? I am currently at twotruefreaks.com where I'm doing Dave's Daredevil podcast weekly. And that will resume December 3rd. And in 2018, um, well, I can't talk about that yet, but these three guys are involved in something. Yeah, boy. It's going to be fun. 2018 is going to be fun. John, buddy, what you going to be doing? Um, I tweet uh, prolifically, oh, John reads comics as, you know, John reads comics. He tweets about them. There is no H in John, just as there is no H in read nor in comics. Um, so feel free to follow me over on Twitter. I'm always looking for to you know looking for new people to talk comics with, and uh, yeah, that's me. Beautiful. And you will be back in 2018. All three of you guys will be back here. And I think the three of us in 2018, Superman's 80th year, uh, I think we're going to be talking to each other a little bit this year. So uh, look forward to that. People out there, thank you so much for joining this special episode. And on my next episode, it'll be back to just me all by my lonesome. And I'll be talking about possibly my favorite Superman villain of all time. And it's not Lex Luthor. It's a green guy with little red things on his head. Brainiac, coming next on the Superman Forever radio podcast. Good night, everybody. Good night.